It's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talkin' Ag Lane Nordland for today's LaneCast. Hello everyone, Lane Nordland here. It's time for another agriculture conversation on the LaneCast Ag Podcast and videocast, of course, with the Western Ag Network. And today finds me in Washington, D.C. and also finding itself in this neck of the woods is smoke coming from Canada. And joining us here today is uh, Caitlin Glover, Executive Director of the Public Lands Council. And, and Caitlin, I've been watching the news every morning here uh, and the local news and Good Morning America. So all the news stations coming out of New York and here locally in Washington, D.C., they are very alarmed by this smoke. But it's a reality that Western ranchers and Western citizens deal with every day with catastrophic wildfire. But uh, it is smoky out here. It, it is. I, I woke up and I told my husband this morning that uh, if you can smell the smoke and there's ash on the car, you know, I haven't really seen this living in Washington about 10 years. Uh, but being from Wyoming, this is something that I'm unfortunately quite used to. You know, we yesterday I think we saw big reports uh, out of New York City where you know the, the skies were red and, and we saw some some ash development. Um, but these fires in Canada, the fires that more typically happen in the Western U.S., you know, they they typically have more localized impacts. But for the people who live in cities like this, um, you're right, it's it, it's a bit of a novelty, and that comes home to roost, especially in in Washington, right? It it, it creates. Uh, concern in New York, a uh, novelty in New York, but it really comes home to roost in Washington when a lot of the conversations that we're having in the agencies and on the Hill uh, are about what politically or what financially we can do ahead of this year's catastrophic fire season. Well, and that's one thing too is uh, producers, especially public lands grazers who you represent, those cattle and sheep producers, they've been telling their story for quite some time about the role they play in the multi-use of our public lands. But as these fires have become more catastrophic, we're seeing states utilize them, cities utilize uh, goats and sheep and cattle to really pull back that underlying mass of forage to really help manage the, the severity of fires. And so how is this an opportunity, all the smoke, I mean, because obviously, it, air pollution, it impacts people with, with breathing issues and health, but uh, obviously we, we want healthy ecosystems too. But how can all this smoke impacting the eastern U.S. and northeast, how can this be a, a great talking point for our producers about the role that agriculture plays in forest management? You know, you make a great point about the talking points, Lane, because, you know, when I woke up this morning, the first thing I do is read the news, uh, have a cup of coffee, read the news. And, you know, and this morning it was a highlight of, you know, Democrats are calling these catastrophic fires and, and it, uh, horrible, obviously, but attributing them solely to climate change and calling for a significant climate change response, either in funding, but also in legislation. Uh, Republicans are, are putting these fires directly at the feet of forest management, um, decades of forest management that has created this buildup not only of fine fuels but also of the larger dense fuels so that these fires go from canopy to canopy in really dense forests. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's almost hard to say that, that, that it matters what the cause is uh, because the, the urgency in dealing with not only forest conditions but also grassland fire conditions is, is absolutely key. 
for producers, for, for livestock producers who not only make their living but are also the caretakers of federal lands, um, this means a few things, right? It means that they have an opportunity to engage in Washington in, in a, a really unique window. Oftentimes our producers come to town or, or we go to the Hill uh, as, as political staff and, and tell folks that not only do, you know, are our producers critical for food security, but that environmental security, that environmental health is key. Uh, we know from past research that we've funded that smoke and the particulate matter that comes from catastrophic wildfires can be up to 10 times more harmful for human and for livestock um, and wildlife, uh, lungs and, and air quality, uh, than other kinds of pollutants. The solutions are, are twofold, right? Reducing those fuels, making sure that there's not those things to burn, um, but also making sure that those who are engaged in, in putting out those fires, the more suppression-minded activities, um, have the resources that they need. And this is where Congress is really focusing, right? Um, Congress is spending a lot of time talking about how do we, how do we clear out these areas. Uh, this is sort of the, the Republican um, push at the moment, uh, although there is bipartisan support. How do we clear out these forests and use fine fuels, whether it's goats uh, mm -hmm. in urban areas or cattle and sheep on uh, mass. Um, but there's also this component and, and wide bipartisan agreement that retention, recruitment, retention, and, and safety of firefighters is key too. And again, this is where our producers come in. Other research that we funded uh, and, and, and shared out of uh, the University of California demonstrates that livestock grazing, especially in these targeted areas that have a huge buildup of fine fuels, um, that not only removing billions of pounds of these fine fuels and turning it into high quality protein, um, but, but by removing those fuels, the, the fires, you decrease flame height and flame speed to a level where firefighters, whether you're wildland or, or, or uh, urban firefighters, uh, are safer, they're able to contain these fires more easily, and fuel breaks are more effective. And so by utilizing livestock, by utilizing the, the, the long-time knowledge of our producers, you know, we're able to make the direct connection to the stuff that we've been talking about, the fine fuels management, the stewardship of livestock producers, and the things where there are bipartisan agreement in Congress. The, you know, the firefighter safety, making things more attractive for people to go fight fires mm -hmm. because they feel like it's, it's going to be safer and it's going to be a, a better career for them too. Well, we, uh, Western Ag Network, sat down with Secretary Vilsack uh, several months ago at the Commodity Classic, and that's, uh, he made a special announcement on funding for uh, projects to reduce uh, wildfire risk in several Western states, but one of those topics was increasing the wages of wildland firefighters. They're putting their lives on the line, and uh, they're not making much above minimum. Right. They're sleeping in their cars. How vital is it for farmers, ranchers, and the public to know just uh, one of that aspect of just having the manpower to go out and fight these fires when they do occur? It's it, absolutely critical, Lane. So, you know, I, I think a lot of times in Washington, uh, especially cattle and sheep producers, we try not to ask the government for any more money. Um, we tend to be quite fiscally conservative. But this is one area where making sure that there is the ability to recruit and retain firefighters is key. 
But there's another piece to this too, because when you have those federal firefighters uh, or a lack of them, what you see is that the gap is really filled by those those rural firefighters, those volunteers, the ranchers who have who have pump trucks or, or who have um, have other vehicles and, and resources on their ranch, um, and even in the West, you know, those resource fire protection uh, associations, those RFPAs that are critical in being at that front line. Um, so, so you have you have two pieces, right? You have the the absolutely critical federal infrastructure, but you also need the support and the flexibility to use the tools on the ground. Nobody wants to give a farmer or rancher another job, right? Because there, there's an immense list already, but making sure that those are, are used effectively and, and those people who are already engaged, their expertise is critical. The, the one other thing I'd mentioned, though, is that a lot of the things that the, the administration has announced so far um, have really been focused around, uh, around the WUI, right, that wildland urban interface. Over the last number of years, especially in California and Colorado, we have seen an immense human impact from catastrophic wildfire. Um, you know, arguably, I think that's what New York and DC and you know the East Coast is seeing now that they're making the connection between the air I'm breathing and something that's happening uh, far away from me. It's having a direct personal impact. And so this is something that, that it's quite clear for ranchers, but we're seeing it more in community centers. As a result, we've seen USDA and DOI to a certain extent focusing those resources in that WUI, that ur wildland urban interface, um, and really focusing on sort of creating that defensible space and, and doing projects there. One of the key things to remember, and this is something that PLC, NCBA, ASI, all of our partners continue to remind the agency, fire matters even when you can't see it. This fire impacts all of us on the East Coast, even though we're not in Canada and even though we can't see the flames ourselves. And so one of the things that is absolutely critical, firefighter safety, yes. Those resources being able to do that forest management, yes. But also making sure that there's a larger strategy that we're not just concentrating on those urban areas, we're concentrating on the backcountry so that we can prevent those fires from gaining traction, gaining speed, and, and being much harder to stop once they get closer to town. More with Caitlin Glover coming up next. Join the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. NCBA is the oldest and largest national cattle industry organization working to defend your interests in Washington, D.C. And there are big benefits to being a member. You'll get news you can use in the National Cattlemen, email updates in the NCBA Beef Bulletin, plus big discounts only for NCBA members. Join by calling 866-233-3872 or online at ncba.org. You know, it was, uh, you know, we chuckled like we're used to this smoke in the fall. Uh, but this smoke was in Montana and Colorado and Wyoming two and a half, three weeks ago. I was outside working on a tractor, go inside to take a drink, and I come back out and it's just smoke. And it was so dark and it rolled in so fast. I had to run up on our highest point near our house to see if the neighbors were burning up. I thought they had started something on fire and that wind was blowing. And it's, I mean, that's, that's just what you do in rural America. You go, hey, where's the fire? But again, so I, I, I mean, we chuckle about it because we're used to it, but we don't like it. And uh, one thing about it, though, too, is uh, there's a lot of things that are on the minds uh, for ranchers and, and, and federal lands ranchers as well. And, and a lot of talk and a lot of testimony recently over the BLM's new conservation rule. Um, I know they just wrapped up their small, limited number of public sessions that were in person or virtual, but how 
uh, obviously conservation is the is the title uh, key word in that new rule but uh, livestock grazing is conservation as well it's a part of the multi-use so how important is it for livestock producers especially in the west that are allottees to be able to share their story in how they play a role in not just utilizing the the resources part of that multi-use mandate but helping manage it to a good extent and making the land better than it was and helping prevent catastrophic fire. Fire is going to happen, sure. but if you can take that catastrophic aspect out of it, uh, how important is it for that engagement with the public yeah. and lawmakers? I mean, I, I can't understate the, the importance, right? You're right. Grazing is conservation. And what we've seen, you know, across the 155 million acres that, that BLM manages, those surface acres, um, and the, the number of acres that are managed primarily through livestock grazing, we, we see a reduced fire risk, but we also see a real personal, not only investment, but, but also daily involvement in what those allotments look like and what those resources look like. Ranchers are at the front line of managing those allotments and, and certainly the BLM is a partner, but when we talk about real on the ground management impact, it really is those permittees who, who have that direct line of sight to what's happening on the landscape. The BLM's latest proposed rule is, is concerning because it, it threatens that ability. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that happens in Washington where everything sounds really good, right? You know, conservation and landscape health. It's something that we all want, right? Ranchers are all for conservation. They do it every day. But when we look at the proposed rule, what we see is that the agency wants to take conservation and make it a use and layer that, prioritize that over other uses. So really what the BLM is saying is that they don't believe that conservation is compatible with the multiple use mandate. They don't believe it's part of the grazing system or grazing management. They don't believe it's part of their, their general management. I fundamentally disagree, right? And I think all, all the, the, the 20,000 permittees would, would as well. Um, but we, we really see that reordering or restructuring of priorities. Now, does the BLM need to improve their management, their own management? 100%, absolutely. But this proposed rule and the way these leases have been proposed sort of perpetuates not only the restructuring and pushing off of other multiple uses, disenfranchising or disincentivizing groups to, to do conservation through their own activities, but it also creates this patchwork of management. When we were talking about the USDA's involvement or prioritization of, of things in the WUI, we're really talking about a very place-based, isolated mm -hmm. management strategy, right? Unfortunately, these BLM conservation leases would be the same thing because Lane could go do a 10-acre project, Caitlin could go do a 10-acre project, but you might be doing something for invasive species and I might be doing something for a, a, a live species, a, an animal species. Those two things could be in direct conflict and so the contiguous land management strategy just really wouldn't be there. What we want to avoid seeing are these place-based random acts of conservation or random acts of management. When you have a whole program, when you have a conservation strategy, like in a grazing management plan or through your allotment, what you're really seeing is a long-term strategy for both multiple use and sustained yield. That sustained yield, that ongoing conservation benefit, but also the ongoing financial, economic, and, and environmental benefit, that is already in the BLM's strategy and already in what our ranchers do. That's not to say that ranchers oppose conservation, right? Quite the opposite. But when you see regulation that sounds pretty good through the title actually implemented on the landscape, there can be so many unintended consequences. As we look into the future, 
the, the, the lands are going to look better. This BLM landscape is going to look better if ranchers are on the landscape. And this is something that BLM has to understand. When we look back 30 years, the lands look better now because of ranchers. The same will be true 30 years from now. And so we're taking a pretty strong stance against this proposed rule because there are, while there are probably little nuggets of, of good things here and there, this kind of strategy is going to compromise the landscape health long-term. And whether we're talking about fire or we're talking about grazing access or even water quality, right? Making sure that you have everybody on the same page pulling in the same direction, there's nothing more important than that. Now, maybe tying it back to the U.S. Forest Service, which of course, uh, uh, the members of the Public Lands Council, of course, graze on the Forest Service as well, and with wildfire. I, I did see that uh, you, the Forest Service Chief, Randy Moore, was just out in Montana doing some tours there as well. But, you know, what, what are some ways that producers can engage even more with their local Forest Service offices just to, you know, like say, hey, this is what we're doing, you know, because sometimes it can be frustrating working with government agencies, but there's a lot of great employees out there that really appreciate and know the role that farmers and ranchers play. Uh, how important is it just to engage with, especially uh, officials in the Forest Service on that local level? It, I mean, it's critical. And there are a few ways to engage not only at the local level, but also at the national level too. At the local level, there is a, a huge opportunity. As a livestock grazing permittee or as an, as an allottee lessee, um, you have the ability with the Forest Service to utilize the Forest Service PLC Cooperative Monitoring MOU. Um, and essentially what that does, Lane, is, is allow permittees in the Forest Service to gather data independently and, and together and, and make sure that that data is part of, of on the allotment, make sure that that monitoring data is part of the grazing file so that if there are challenges or if there are uncertainties about condition or about resources, resource availability, that those questions, though, that data is there to demonstrate the long-term benefit of grazing. Um, having that relationship at the local level is key because even though there's sometimes a disconnect between Washington and the local level, really your best advocate hopefully is going to be your local is going to be your local range con or your, your local contact. At the national level, there are a few other things. Be engaged with your local stock growers, your grazing district, your, your local livestock association. Make sure that they're sending information to PLC, to NCBA, to ASI, to, to whoever else is engaged uh, at that national level. Making sure that we know what those issues are, especially when there are shenanigans at the local level, uh, really helps us to have those conversations with Chief Moore, with the grazing program, to demonstrate that the the Forest Service, as they're going through their range management, isn't just a grazing program, it's an overall range management strategy. Okay. Gather the data, talk to your local officials, make sure that you're engaged, and also when there are opportunities to comment on things like the Forest Service's old growth strategy, protecting all these big old trees uh, that sometimes are, are a huge fire risk, making sure that you're engaged is really key. Now, Caitlin, I know we got a busy day here in Washington, D.C., but uh, for our, our listeners and our viewers, uh, a great time for folks to come together to advocate and create policy is, of course, the PLC annual meeting. And that's going to be heading to Pendleton, Oregon this uh, year. You want to give a quick shout out for that event? Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited to, to be in Pendleton this year. Um, for those of you who have may, may have made the, the pilgrimage to, to Pendleton before, uh, we're going to be meeting September 5th through the 7th, which is just before the roundup begins. Uh, so if you want to stay on uh, and, and for a few days, you have the opportunity to do that. But these are the kind of conversations we're going to be having, Lane. We're going to be talking uh, about this, this proposed rule. We're going to be talking about sage grouse uh, and, and, and lesser 
Lesser Prairie Chicken. We're going to be talking about wolves and bears and fire and all of the other things that are going on in Washington that have a direct impact uh, on, on local permittees. They have, attendees have the ability, agency folks have the ability to, to make uh, real connections here that, that facilitate real change. And so uh, I hope everybody will join us in Pendleton, uh, but, but certainly be engaged with the folks who are going because the PLC representatives, your voting delegates, the ranchers who are going to make that, that trek, that drive to, to Pendleton, um, are really going to be making some key decisions this fall. It's a big year. Next year's a general election, and so the, the political atmosphere is, 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 is rife for, for uh, influence and, and rife to have the kind of hard discussions that, you know, we really only see every four to six years. Well, again, Caitlin Glover with the Public Lands Council. Thanks for joining us here today. And uh, again, our thoughts are with everybody impacted by wildfire, our friends up to the north in Canada. And again, we've had some good rain across much of the west, but uh, it's still going to be wildfire season, no doubt. But uh, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks so much, Lane. That will do it for this Agriculture Conversation on Lancast Ag Podcast. Stay safe out there, friends. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Lanecast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lanecast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the Lanecast.